If you love a good serum, I have a new 30% off coupon code for you. One of the top ways we're exposed to endocrine disruptors, plasticizers like BPA and heavy metals is through cosmetic products. Conventional skincare is often loaded with endocrine disruptors and carcinogens, but products also can be high in heavy metals because they become contaminated through extraction and production. I made the switch to clean beauty five years ago after I read some alarming research that showed how harmful ingredients in skincare products can actually pass through the placenta to the baby and make it into breast milk. I tried so many different clean beauty products and by far the best effective skincare and makeup is from Beauty Counter. Their products are free of known harmful ingredients and they contain active ingredients, which means they work just as good if not better than the conventional products. They test for all contaminants like BPA and heavy metals, which is why I ultimately chose to make the switch. I absolutely love the vitamin C serum, and I personally use the Countertime Tripeptide Serum every night, which has totally changed the fine lines around my eyes. Shop Beauty Counter at beautycounter.com slash Tar. Then use the code CLEANFORALL30 to get 30% off your order. You can also join my clean beauty list where I share promotions and sales and offer samples. That's at coconutsandkettlebells.com forward slash beauty. Again, to shop, go to beautycounter.com slash Tar and use the coupon code CLEANFORALL30 to get 30% off your first order. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hello and welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandcuttlebells.com. This is episode number 387. We are coming up on almost 400 episodes, which blows my mind. Thank you for being here. Thank you to all of you who have been here for so many years. It's a joy to spend each week with you. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner and a National Strength and Conditioning Association certified personal trainer. Today, we're going to be talking about environmental toxins and endocrine disruptors. This is a growing area of concern for many people, and the research is changing. It's growing. We're learning a lot about just how impactful these chemicals are, and so we're going to really dive into What exactly are endocrine disruptors? What are the more popular ones? What to look for? And what to prioritize for your health? And we're also going to be making the connection between certain endocrine disruptors and fertility, not just for women, but also for men. So hopefully you can use this as a resource just for a little bit of education, but also what to do from here, how to actually make changes in your life that will support your health and your fertility. I am going to have on Dr. Laura Shaheen today. I'm so thrilled that she took time out of her busy schedule to be with us and to talk through some of this. She is a board-certified OBGYN and a reproductive endocrinologist at Pacific Northwest Fertility and Clinical Faculty at the University of Washington in Seattle. She's actually a partner of the practice, which allows her to ensure patient-centered fertility care. She's also the author of the best-selling book on miscarriage, Not Broken, and host of the Baby or Bust podcast. She's a member of the Forbes Health Advisory Board to help readers make informed wellness decisions, and she is a contributor for Very Well Health. Welcome, Dr. Laura Shaheen. Thank you, Noelle. I'm so excited to be here. And please call me Laura. I really appreciate your saying, Dr. Shaheen, but um, Laura is just fine. 
Okay, you got it. So I am really thrilled to dive into things that influence fertility and reproductive health. I know it's on a lot of women's minds who are in this community. First, I just kind of wanted to discuss, like, give us a picture. How many families, specifically in the U.S., really struggle with infertility? Yeah, it's um, it's a lot. It's about one in eight couples are struggling with infertility. And of course, there's multiple factors that change that, but it is definitely more common than we might realize. Mm. Yeah, I don't think anybody really thinks about it until they actually want children or in, and are in that stage of life, um, which is why I love having people like you on so that we can get we can be thinking about all the things that influence our reproductive health and our fertility before we get to that space where, okay, we're ready for to start on this. And it, it's really not going the way we want. Um, kind of a pet peeve of mine, and I'm sure you'll relate to this, is so many women, all the focus is on them and not mm-hmm. on uh, the other 50% of this equation, which is usually there's some sort of sperm involved. How many <sighs> cases of infertility involve male factor infertility? At, at least 30%, but it has been quoted to be up towards 50%. So there, infertility is often not black and white. It's It's often, you can't target it to one issue. Um, It's often multifactorial or sometimes even unexplained, but you are right. You know, sperm is half of the genetic equation and absolutely there is, it's very common to have male factor infertility at least be a part of what's going on for the couple. Yeah. So I want to jump into um, things that influence our reproductive health first is probably the most inflammatory thing because there's a lot of sayings in infertility. Um, and, you know, as somebody even who experienced a miscarriage, as you know, I know, I know you have your own story too. I've, I heard this a lot. And now looking back on it, like I can understand the sentiment, but it was horrible, like in, in the, in the moment, which is. Oh, once you stop stressing about getting pregnant, you'll get pregnant. So just stop stressing about it, right? <laughs> so, so, exactly. so what so what impact like from like a research perspective, what impact does stress have on fertility and even miscarriage given what we know about chronic stress and its impact on hormones? Absolutely. Um, Such a common question. Um, And I had a whole episode on my baby or bust podcast with Ali Domar, Dr. Domar from um, Harvard and uh, in Boston, who spent her entire career trying to answer that question. You know, how does stress impact our reproductive health and risk of infertility and miscarriage? And really, it is a chicken or egg kind of thing. Like we know that struggling to build your family is stressful. Um, and how do you tease apart how much it impacts? Um, I think it is a part of our reproductive health, just like our nutrition, just like our sleep, just like our exercise. It's a part of wellness and being the whole person. But what I don't want to do is to tell my patients, oh, the reason that you have infertility is stress. So just relax because Mm -hmm then they're just going to start stressing about being stressed. So 
it's a, again, a chicken or egg kind of thing. It absolutely makes sense that it is connected. Um, and for people who are listening, like just imagine if there are times in your life that you have been stressed, gone on vacation, had exams, really stressful time at work. Um, and you look back, you're like, oh yeah, I did skip a period. Like I, I, it, it can disrupt ovulation, right? So that that kind of could be a tangible point where people are like, oh yeah, there are some stressful things in life that kind of threw off my period, right? Um, and so I kind of talk to people about, you cannot eliminate stress. Like that's not the answer. And no matter who you are, we can all work on stress management as a part of just being healthy overall. And the more healthy you are, the more your reproductive health is going to improve. So let's not make it shameful to feel stressed. Let's focus on self-care and how we can take care of ourselves and our partners through this process. Is there like a specific, like when you say you were to pull lab work of somebody's and you're looking at somebody's hormones, are there any red flags when you're like, oh, like I wish it were this easy, but are there any red flags where you're like, oh, this is this is because your body is experiencing too much stress or, you know, like, because a lot of women are like, well, why is my progesterone low? And is that playing into this? So are there like anything, anything that you see on your lab work when you're pulling, you know, hormones that are like, hmm, this might be because of chronic stress? Yeah. So um, I don't check hormones a lot. Um, and so I'm a uh, you know, a board certified reproductive endocrinologist, Western trained. And um, so other practice models, maybe like naturopaths or even some acupuncturists might do a lot more hormone checks. And um, it is, you know, no good or bad, but unfortunately hormones are so um, intermittently picked up on labs, lab assays are kind of problematic. Um, It's hard to do a spot check of someone's hormones and say, oh, this is what is going on your entire menstrual cycle. And so I, I mean, you could do cortisol levels to sort of show to someone, hey, see how high this is and see how stressed it is. I've never checked a cortisol level in my life because um, it doesn't change my management or my guidelines or my recommendations that we need to look at the whole person. So I don't need a lab test to like prove to someone or to prove to myself that we need to focus on it because we all need to focus on it. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. So talk to me about some forms of stress. That people sure. might be experiencing that would impact their reproductive health. Yeah. So um, it can be anything from physical stress. So I talk to my patients a lot about their exercise routine. And um, there is no guideline that works for everyone, right? So, you know, Serena Williams won the Australian Open like in her first trimester of pregnancy. Did she stop training while she was trying to get pregnant? Most likely not, right? And so she is a super high athlete and, um, you know, that is extremely stressful. But 
for, and then you can't tell somebody like, oh, keep your heart rate under 140 because some amazing athletes never get their heart rate above a hundred. So there's no like kind of guideline, but I do talk to people about if you're pushing your body to the point where you are exhausted and you are sweating profusely, you, you know, are breathing so hard that you can't talk to somebody, you get like a runner's high, you know, the endorphin push when you push your body really hard. Well, cortisol is coming out with that too. You're kind of pushing your body to like a fight or flight mode. Like you're running from a bear, right? Mm -hmm. And if your body is focused on that, then you're not going to be focused on reproduction. So people that are really training for things, doing like um, really intense CrossFit, I talk about maybe let's modify a little bit. I don't want to take away exercise, but let's not push our bodies to exhaustion. Mm -hmm. Um, Another type of stress could be... um, um, nutrition and intake. You know, there's so much about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Um, sometimes, you know, a lot patients have a history of disordered eating, right? Anorexia, bulimia in their younger years. Um, this stress of infertility can kind of trigger some disordered eating is because you feel so out of control. It's a way to gain back control. Um, and so if you're putting, if your your body isn't getting enough nutrients, you know, nutrition, um, vegetables, nutrients, um, then that could be a stressful uh, impact on your body and your body won't focus on reproduction. And then of course, you know, mental stress, stress at work, stress in a pandemic, stress in trying to get back to normal life in big air quotes. If you could see me do air quotes, um, you know, so much of what's going on in politics right now, like, and then just trying to conceive. So physical stress, nutrition, stress, um, emotional, mental stress, it can just come at us in a lot of different ways. I really appreciate that perspective. One of the things that I talk about a lot is like in our, like in our modern society, women are experiencing an unprecedented unprecedented amount of stress. And I only really see it building and getting worse. Right. So it's like, it's, it's, it's really over the course of the last decade or two. And I, you know, the influx of the internet and just things are getting more and more stressful. There's, we put more and more burden on women We're we're like they're, they have more responsibilities, especially in the pandemic. They were, you know, Mm -hmm. women were trying to work and be like teachers and just, Mm -hmm. you know, cook healthy and stay on top of health guidelines and all that stuff. And it, it, it seems like our current world, our society is kind of working against women's fertility. Yeah. And that's why it is absolutely essential to take care of yourself. Nobody else is going to tell you to take time off of work. Nobody else is going to make you, you know, get up and take a walk in the morning or um, give yourself a break and allow yourself to just lie on the couch all day. You know, I, um, it's so important to unplug every once in a while. And when you feel yourself, you know, kind of scrolling on Instagram um, or TikTok, or, you know, reading all of the fertility blogs, if you're, you know, deep and trying to conceive, um, when you start to feel that it's, you know, 
I, I don't know how to describe it, but I can kind of tell when I've started to be online for too much. I started, I kind of start to get anxious mm-hmm. and you have to like get an awareness of that and be like, whoa, I need to unplug, you know, and just get a book, like a good old book and read it or just go for a walk or something like that. Um, there's so much stress about eating perfectly and looking perfectly and, you know, parenting perfectly or this assumption and people are just putting out, you know, all of this advice. And I think it's hopefully coming from a positive place about people trying to help each other. But honestly, a lot of times people are just trying to sell you something and um, you have to take care of yourself and just try to realize we are all doing the best we can. I talk to my patients a lot about one of my favorite Chinese proverbs is um, uh, perfection is 80%. (laughs) So even if you are trying to eat well and like make really healthy choices throughout the week, um, you know what? Ice cream tastes great. And like maybe having ice cream every once in a while is absolutely fantastic. And so if you are doing, you know, what you feel is healthy for you 80% of the time, that is perfection. Nobody can be 100% and uh, give yourself some forgiveness. I've got a brand new offer and free electrolytes for everyone, even if you've made a purchase before. So listen up. If you're active and follow a whole foods diet or you're stressed and struggling with adrenal dysfunction, you need to be thinking about electrolyte replacement. You lose electrolytes when you sweat and when you go to the bathroom and being active, especially when it's hot, can drain your electrolytes. I'm not just talking about working out. I'm talking about pool days and gardening and running around cheering your kids on at games. These electrolytes have to be replaced through diet and supplementation. And if you're deficient in electrolytes, it shows up as dizziness, muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, sleep disturbances, and those stars when you stand up, especially on workout days, which was my experience. Element makes grab-and-go electrolyte replacement supplementation. There's absolutely no sugar, gluten fillers, or artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly. It's travel-friendly, too, and great for kids. My kids love it. I've been using Element regularly on workout days, days where I'm working out or working outside in the yard, and it's made such a difference for me. Everyone gets a free gift with purchase now. Element comes in boxes of 30. There is free shipping on all orders. And now all orders will get a free eight pack, which has all the flavors of Element. To get it, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. Use the code wellfed to get your free sample eight pack with your order. Again, that's drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed and use the code wellfed. One of the ways um, that I think is really like developing and we're still learning a lot more that impacts us is this idea of environmental toxins. Um, And I actually first became aware of you. I went to a conference. This is for all of you listening. I went to a conference and um, Laura was there and gave some really interesting facts about the how environmental toxins and specifically endocrine disruptors are impacting our like well women's health but also men's health and fertility overall so talk to me about environmental toxins like what even is that because it sounds like a big word and it sounds a little bit overwhelming but what are environmental toxins and like talk to me a l- maybe give me some examples of those sure so um Environmental toxins is typically like a 
man-made chemical that we're exposed to in our environment, whether it is lotion that we're putting on our skin or, um, you know, processed food that's in plastic and uh, maybe gets into our system because we, you know, uh, um, phthalates or BPA goes from the plastic and the container to the food and then we ingest it. Um, and environmental toxins or endocrine disruptors, um, sometimes people use those interchangeably, but these are chemicals that when they're ingested into our body, it really changes the way our body works and communicates. Like um, a hormone is any sort of um, substance that travels from one place to another in the body in order to function. So estrogen is a hormone that's made by the ovaries, um, other places in the body, but we typically think about ovaries um, and you know, talks to the uterus to build up a uterine lining that's ready to conceive. And so there's evidence that um, endocrine disruptors like BPA found in plastics, um, phthalates found in a lot of, um, you know, cosmetics, that when we ingest them, it can actually change the function of the endocrine receptor or the change the way endocrine estrogen is kind of talking to the uterus or BPA actually acts like estrogen. Um, BPA, bisphenol A, was originally um, used as an estrogen medication back in the early 1900s. Um, it was designed as a pharmaceutical and it was replaced by other estrogen-like medications to be used to decrease the risk of miscarriage or help people with hot flashes. Um, it was kind of put back on the shelf and someone figured out, oh, this chemical does a great job of making plastics kind of soft, but still durable. And it's in so many of our products. So I really um, learned about this um, I, I became aware, honestly, when I was um, shopping for products for my own kids that um, are now uh, 12 and 15. So that's a long time ago. Um, but I, I never made the jump between like, oh, I should get safer products for my children. I never made the jump that, oh, I should think about safer products for me. Because I, I just think it's sort of assumed that you know, kids, or maybe when you're pregnant, the fetus is more susceptible to it. But then all of a sudden we build up armor when we're adults. No, that doesn't make sense. Um, and when my patients kept asking, how do I, you know, improve my egg quality? What do I do to improve sperm parameters? How do I decrease my risk of miscarriage? Um, you know, I am researching too, just like my patients and especially in researching for my books, you know, on miscarriage, not broken, or my book on Eastern and Western approaches to fertility care called Planting the Seeds, I got really deep into understanding the actual research. And I went to a really dark place. I kind of shut down a little bit because we are just so in denial of um, the fact that this is an issue and it's so comfortable to sit in it. But it is just absolutely, you know, no question that the science supports that these, you know, endocrine disruptors are just really everywhere. And um, what's comforting when I kind of came out of that and started to educate and joined the scientific advisory board or beauty counter, I just am continuing to learn, but am 
comforted by the fact that small changes in our everyday life can absolutely decrease our exposure. And we can take back control of this. We can't eliminate exposure because it's literally everywhere. But it's the people that have the highest levels of exposure in their system that have the most risk for reproductive issues or, you know, even obesity, diabetes, thyroid cancer. Like it's just, it's connected to so much. Um, but I am trying to come at it now less from a sense of fear and dread and kind of like shutting down to more like, okay, we can actually do something about this and we can, um, we can do small things that, that help us. I had such a similar experience becoming more aware of things when I was pregnant. And it was really interesting to me to see that, you know, everybody talks about parabens and phylates and and we can dive more into that in a second, but you know, you kind of hear about it and you're like, okay, sure. And you might, you know, you might make a few changes here or there, but if something doesn't work right, or you just don't want to invest or spend the time or the money, you kind of go back to what you were doing. And that's what I was doing with my cosmetics, my, my makeup in particular. And then you have a kid and you're like, oh, this is actually impacting them as well. I like that you said like, oh, we all of a sudden have this armor of like things don't impact us, but that's not necessarily what the research says. And it seems like there are these really important times where it impacts us even more. Um, And with kids, it's like going through puberty and also when we're pregnant and stuff like that. So while I wish I would have gotten, you know, involved earlier and, and changed a lot of what I was using earlier, I, I am thankful that like, Having kids makes you all of a sudden realize the the world on a greater scale. And so we can have quite a big impact. Like some of the research showed that just changes. I think it was like literally after five days, like levels Mm -hmm. plummeted in the body, like, you know, levels of parabens in the body plummeted like to almost nothing, like not detectable because our body so quickly gets it out of our system. So it's really interesting to see the the quick change that just like you said, like a few little shifts um, can make within your own physiology. So we've mentioned phylates and I mentioned parabens. Are there any other besides BPA? Are there any other major endocrine disruptors that we should be aware of? Yeah, I have the most research and information, you know, on my website and and things about bisphenol A, phthalates, and parabens, mm-hmm. um, just because those have been studied the most and they're just in so many of the products that we use every day. But um, there are, I mean, there's been over eighty thousand chemicals that have been made in the last, you know, couple of decades. And the assumption is that they are safe until proven unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many things come to the market without even being tested. Um, and, you know, the another one to really be aware of is the great thing about BPA and phthalates and parabens is that our body does, um, you know, get rid of them pretty effectively and we can decrease our levels. Um, but there are some things like forever chemicals, something like PFAS, which is capital P-F-A-S, that um, is in you know a lot of products like for flame retardants and and things like that. That they don't go away. You know, they mm. really do stay in our um, in our land where our food is grown. You know, our water supply and our bodies. So um, 
you know, it just really, it is important. I think that the, you know, it's, it's, you kind of sit in this comfort of like, well, if it was really that bad, then companies wouldn't use it. Right. Like it, I mean, just logic, like, you know, or the FDA would, would take care of it. And it's, you know, the last time truly great legislation to limit chemicals being put in cosmetics was, you know, in the 1930s. Right. And that was only limited like 11 chemicals. And since then, you know, over 80,000 have been introduced to the marketplace. Um, you know, and you can compare legislation between different countries. So Europe bans, you know, almost 2000 chemicals to go into cosmetics and Canada is, you know, over five to 800 and the U S it's less than 20. Right. So the feeling is, is like, Oh, you know, our product is okay. Right. Like our mascara is okay. It does have, you know, phthalates, parabens and formaldehyde, right. Uh, all these things, but it's okay to use our product because it's not that much. The issue is if you really think about your daily life, think about how many products you use. Like just do your makeup in the morning. You know, if you use eyeliner, if you do mascara, if you use, you know, concealer, you know, lip, whatever. And then you've got laundry detergent on your clothes that is exposed to your skin. And then you use, you know, a dishwashing liquid and then you eat a food from a, you know, plastic container, right? So it it's okay. Maybe individual products might be able to argue that they're okay, but um, it adds up over time. And a, you know, a really good example of how limited the FDA is and how it can keep us safe is just really research what happened with Johnson and Johnson's baby powder. Um, you know, full of talc. Um, talc is mined close to um, asbestos, and a lot of talc, whatever product it's in, can sometimes have asbestos, and we all know that that can cause different cancers. Um, the FDA knew it, tested, you know, tried to increase awareness, but they can't make Johnson and Johnson remove a product from the shelves, and so it came from consumers being sort of outraged and over 10 to 20 years of lawsuits that finally got talc out of Johnson baby powder, like in the United States. Now it's made with cornstarch, but oh my goodness, you can still buy it from Amazon. I did it last month and it came from a different country and it still has talc in it. In that same time period, there's an eyeshadow that was marketed to kids and sold at Claire's, you know, mm -hmm. the the um, makeup store kind of in the malls that I went to my whole life <laughs> as a teenager. <laughs> same, same. Um, and when the FDA made Claire's aware of the talc in their glittery eyeshadow that's marketed to, you know, kids, they took it off. They're like, oh my gosh, we're going to remove this product from the shelf. And they did it, you know, but um, they couldn't make Johnson & Johnson. So it's just, um, I really don't want people listening right now to, you know, be afraid or feel for just be aware and and just be thoughtful so do endocrine disruptors impact male fertility this is the big question should, should men be thinking about what's in their skincare 
Absolutely. No question. So in those blog posts, I have whole sections on um, high levels of phthalates being associated with lower sperm parameters. And um, an excellent resource is the book that was published maybe a year ago with um, Dr. Shauna Swan. The book is titled Countdown. And she is first and foremost, an amazing scientist and researcher who was originally, so there was a study that came out um, almost five to 10 years ago that really was trying to show that sperm counts worldwide had decreased dramatically. And she actually started off her research trying to disprove this. Hmm. (laughs) It's fascinating. So she was just like, I, that's just, no, like we haven't really been, you know, doing that many semen analysis. And how can you really say that? That's just fear mongering. And she really started doing the research and took it from not only, you know, human models, but to animal models and looking at phthalates and um, rodent models and transgenerational impacts of phthalates and, you know, mice, and then their you know, second and third generation of mice impacts what the grandparent mice were doing. Um, And it, I know that's kind of, it's hard to sort of think about doing experiments on animals, but they just have such a shorter life cycle. You can't wait for a whole generation of humans to show something, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so just really reading that book and her journey into not only did she really observe like, yes, worldwide sperm counts have decreased and it's absolutely multifactorial, but she's saying something that we have to pay attention to is the impact of endocrine disruptors and toxins and their direct impact of sperm count and function. Wow. Yeah. Last question before we get into some of our questions from our community. Um, Is there what kind of impact does sleep have on fertility, if any? And do you talk to your patients about sleeping more? Oh, I think sleep is one of the most important things that we need to focus on. It is essential. Like, first of all, a lot of our, you know, sleep habits help kind of with our hormonal communications and just it's it, uh, it's just very important to try to get seven to eight hours of sleep a day. Um, but also if you have a good regular sleep routine, it gives you more energy to focus on self-care. You know, mm-hmm. it gives you, you get the energy to try to make healthy food choices um, instead of reaching for the sugar and the um, processed food that gives us that little quick hit of comfort and feeling good and energy, but then we crash later. Um, It gives you the energy to um, opt to walk for 20 or 30 minutes a day. Um, So it is something that is just absolutely important. And, you know, I, I haven't found a lot of research into sleep and fertility, even though it makes physiologic sense. I did in researching for my books find um, women with sleep apnea have a higher chance of taking longer to conceive. That's kind of the one like actual study and research that I found, but it also just makes sense to me that it's absolutely key for our entire well-being and overall health. 
I am so excited to share 20% off my favorite adaptogen blends with you. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. The more I researched this, the more I realized the easiest and best way to enjoy adaptogens is with superfood blends that can be added to water. I found Organifi and now I love it. Organifi has an amazing little thing called Red Juice that is a red berry antioxidant blend that has cordyceps, rhodiola, and reishi. Cordyceps boosts energy, immunity, and stamina. I drink it during every podcast recording now. And when I'm stressed out and not sleeping well, I take green juice mid-morning. And guys, I finish every day now with either gold or gold chocolate. So this is a mixture of reishi and calming adaptogens and turmeric. It's either, it's kind of like a hot chocolate or like a turmeric warm drink at the end of the night. You just mix it with warm water and it has helped me so much. It's way more effective than the sleepy tea I was drinking. So they're both the same drink, just different flavors, gold or gold chocolate. I love it. I've totally fallen in love with Organifi. All their superfood adaptogen blends are 100% certified organic. They have high quality ingredients. They are free of fillers and they taste really good while also providing a clinical and effective dose of adaptogens. You can support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Go to Organifi.com forward slash wellfed. Our code wellfed will get you 20% off, which is a awesome discount. Organifi, so that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash wellfed. Go to that link. Use our code wellfed for 20% off. Okay, so this question is from Jenna. She says, where should you start when you're trying to limit endocrine disruptors? Skincare, deodorant, shampoo, makeup, plastics, cleaning products, candles. I mean, this is, this is, thank you, Jenna. This is like the million dollar question because it does feel like it's everywhere. So what are your recommendations for like what to prioritize? Great. So first of all, take a deep breath and realize that you're just trying to make small changes that will decrease your overall exposure and you can't completely eliminate it. So one thing that you could do is start with your kitchen. So um, make sure that you are not using a plastic water bottle. Use glass or stainless steel. When you store your leftovers, do not use plastic storage containers. Use glass or even stainless steel. So those two things are dramatic. Other things that you can do in your kitchen, do not use nonstick pans, right? Teflon, no. Um, switch to, you know, cast iron or carbon steel, um, which literally lasts forever. Like you buy one, you know, carbon steel pan, it'll last you your entire life. And then you can pass it on to your children. Like mm. Teflon, you know, the layer starts getting bad. I know because I have used them, you know, in college yes. <laughs> and throughout my life and you have to replace it. Right. Um, so, um, and then, you know, so that's like a change that you could do right now. Right. Even plastic, like even like, um, plastic, uh, food storage containers, you know how like you keep spaghetti you know, sauce in a container and then all of a sudden it's discolored, right? That doesn't happen mm -hmm. with with glass or stainless steel. Okay, so that's like really tangible. Then with products that you're using, 
something that you can do, try to get fragrance out of products that you buy. Like that is one simple thing that you can do. Like we do not need clothes to smell like lavender for them to be clean. Mm. And phthalates are so often used to stabilize fragrance in a product. And there is a law in the United States that if you can say that a chemical is used to provide fragrance to a product that is considered private, it's considered trademarked, and you can just say fragrance on the bottle. You do not have to list that it's actually a phthalate. So the word fragrance on products is often code for endocrine disruptors. Um, Let's see. And then when you're thinking about products for your skin and cosmetics, you know, just take it one product at a time. When you finish your shampoo, check it out. Look what the ingredients are. You know, go to um, ewg.org, go to thinkdirty.org, um, see if there's another product that you could try that might be less toxic. When you finish your mascara, you know, think about it, right? Like, do I want to rebuy the same mascara or maybe I could try? something from, I mean, of course we love Beauty Counter because they're both involved, but another good resource is Credo Beauty, which is, um, uh, they source from a lot of different companies. And if the product is on their website, they have done the work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of taking it one product at a time. And, you know, there are things in my life that I've tried really, really hard to change. And then sometimes I'm just like, I, I just, need to continue to use this product, right? So just be kind to yourself and remember 80% is perfection. Okay, so much great information. Thank you so much, Laura, for being here. I would love to know more about what you're doing and um, tell me where we can find you. Oh, thank you so much. This It was wonderful to do this and I really enjoyed the opportunity and the conversation. Um, I am a reproductive endocrinologist practicing at Pacific Northwest Fertility in Seattle, but I love connecting and educating. Um, there's, I have so many resources on my website, drlaurasheen.com. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok. Um, and I have my own podcast, Baby or Bust podcast, where we're sharing both interviews with you know researchers and experts in the field, but also real life stories, because I think we can all learn from sharing our own fertility journeys. So thank you again, Noelle. Yeah, you're welcome. And we will link to everything in the show notes. Um, it was so great to have you here. For more from Laura, go to, I'll, I'll link to her website in the show notes. It's drlaurashaheen.com. For more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. Thanks for being here, guys. We will talk to you next week. 